Hey everybody, this is Jeff Gluck, and you're listening to, uh, I have no idea what the name of this podcast is called. Maybe we'll call it the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. This is kind of like a rush job, but uh, I did want to get the first podcast episode out because there was some big, huge NASCAR news today, if you hadn't heard, and uh, I wanted to break down those changes. So um, this may not be the most polished podcast ever, but... um, we we can still offer some opinions, and uh, by we I'm not using the royal we because I have Jordan Bianchi from SBNation.com here, and he's uh, nice enough to sit here with me in an empty Charlotte Convention Center um, after 9 p.m. on a Monday night when we have the whole media tour early the next morning. So Jordan, welcome to my first podcast episode ever, and thank you for being here. Always a pleasure to join Jeff Gluck on the JeffGluck.com podcast. Is that what it's called? Okay. Well, maybe, I don't know. That's You know, I had a moment today, I don't know if anybody saw or heard about this, where, you know, they say in the press conference, state your name and affiliation, Jordan. And um, I was think, I was sitting next to Jordan, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, there's, I'm, there's no way I'm going to say Jeff Gluck from JeffGluck.com live on television. Let's go Jeff and then Greg. Hey, I'm Jeff Gluck from JeffGluck.com. Uh, what what was that? <laughs> Please don't make me repeat that. Like uh, Jordan's laughing at me. It was pretty funny, and I felt bad because you're in a bad situation where you got to say your name twice and everything that surrounding the new website, and people were kind of talking about how is he going to introduce himself? And what are you going to do? So I was, I was originally I was just going to say hi Jeff Gluck or something like that, or not say my name at all. I, I mean. I'm not trying to brag, but I mean, I already know the people on the stage. You know, it's not like so. But but I would say from a marketing perspective, though, you got a brand new website out there. It's a great way to get your name out there for people who may or may not know. Get them to the website. It's you know, marketing 101. That's true. Well, I never took that class. But anyway, so I actually had to say it, and I felt like the whole room. I felt like turn around. It was like one of those movies where like the you know you like fall in gym class or something, and you see everybody going ah. <laughs> like pointing or something. I mean, it was fine. I was in on the joke, too, because I know it's a stupid website name. I would like to have a better website name, but I have thought long and hard, many hours, Jordan, on GoDaddy and all that stuff to try to come up with a name. Most of the good names are taken. So that's why I'm sticking with JeffCook.com for now, you know? Well, it, it sounds like you got, you got your large social media following. It seems like you maybe elicit some help from uh, you know your followers and help you find a new name. And it can kind of be a playful thing, too. Maybe you change the website name on a weekly basis, depending upon what's going on. Did I tell you about the one name that I tried to buy? No, not at all. So um, I'll, I'll probably write a blog post about this later, but I'll just share with you guys now. So the first name I bought was Starting40.com. I thought that was kind of cool. 40 cars in the field, starting 40. Kind of had a good ring to it. That was back around Thanksgiving when I first thought I might, there might be a possibility of me doing this, and I wanted to be prepared. And then, as the holidays went on, can you identify a, a problem with that? Starting 40? I, I have a couple ideas, yeah. Well, there's a big problem in that there might not be 40 cars in the field this year. Yeah, and we kind of ran into that last year a little bit when you got 39, and then you start looking at the economics of the sports and everything like that. You you might be starting 37. Right. Yeah, so, hi, you know, Jeff Gluck from starting40.com when there's 37 cars in the field today. Okay, yeah, so I scrapped that. Um, I actually even bought the Twitter name from the guy that had that. The, 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 the starting40.com name was already available, but the Twitter name was taken, so I contacted the guy who had that name, 
And he gave it to me, and I was like, wow, that's really nice of you. So I sent him like a $25 Amazon gift card. And, <laughs> I mean, it just seems like the nice thing to do, you know. I love you to death, but we got to talk about your business plan. <laughs> so, so then I ended up not using it. So I wasted the money buying the website for like 40 bucks. And then, <laughs> so, okay. So anyway, um, so then I, I don't want to say the name cause I don't want people to blow this person up, but there was a really cool name that I thought was honestly a really cool website name that would be perfect for racing and perfect for my new position. Uh, it had, I'll just say it, it had the word restart in it. I'm not going to say what it was. It had the word restart in it. So you know how like on on the websites, you can look stuff up, like see who owns websites? So I looked up who owns this uh, website with the restart name in it, and I contacted the person, and I said, would you be interested in selling this website? Because they weren't, they weren't using it. There was nothing on it. So they write back, and they're like, yeah, uh, my wife has it but I would be interested in selling it so they said how much would you like to offer so what like what would you offer what would you what would you say is a fair number if you're just a, a blogger trying to start a website 25 bucks from Amazon gift card sounds really nice so I I don't I don't know you know so I wrote back and I said um how about a hundred bucks like I, I don't know but how about a hundred bucks like is that a good fair price to start two weeks passed guy never writes back I'm like, okay. I write back again. Hi, you know, just wanted to see if you'd consider selling this, whatever. Nothing. I've never heard from the guy again. So I, th- I figured I must have insulted him. And I knew I insulted him because I found another website. And this one was called, I think, onthetrack.com. And when you when I went to it, I could see that you, there was like a, an inquiry form. And it said, um, please submit your information and we'll get back to you with the price. So... I submitted my information, and they got back to me with a price, asking what, what, what do you think? What's your guess as far as what they asked for on the track.com? Over a thousand dollars. Nineteen thousand dollars. Nineteen thousand dollars they wanted me for me to buy on the track.com. So I, th- this is why I have JeffGluck.com right now <laughs> as the website name. I can't. You either have to think of a name that nobody else has, and I don't want to do a .net or .info. I mean, how do you feel about those? No, .com is the simplest thing. You want to have, you know, straight lace where people know to it. People nowadays don't use info. They use org, you know, .com. People know that. You know how to go there. Make it easy. I know. So that's why, like, there's so many names that are .coms have already been taken. So anyway, the search continues. But we got off track already. No, No surprise on the first episode of the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast. Um, yes. Um, but let's talk about these changes. Um, the reason I wanted to have Jordan um, on the podcast is because we were sitting next to each other in the makeshift media center after the announcement. And I'm thinking, wow, I like these. These are pretty cool. Like, I, I kind of actually am, am into these and I'm digging these. Jordan's sitting there with, like, this sour look on his face or something. And I, he's, like, not feeling it. So... Jordan, first, can you just go through why you're not really feeling it today um, about these changes, and then I'll give my take, and we can go back and forth a little bit. 
Sure. Basically, it boils down to this. It's too confusing and too convoluted. And if you want to make the product better, and it feels like that is the intent of this, is to make the on-track product better, incentivize drivers to really race 100% through an entire race, not leg back, not, you know, be content running fifth at, you know, lap 100, and give them more incentive to go to the front, race hard, and try to make passes. They're giving points. That's great. But the formula and the mechanism and everything else they, they, they put in place is confusing. You cannot simply explain it to a fan, hardcore fan, new fan, whatever, it, to explain them what this process is. It is simply over, the, it's gonna be over everyone's head. I looked around the room today as this was going on, and, and it looked like in Chinese algebra where no one could figure out what was going on. And, and there's a better way and a better system to put in place to address the problems in NASCAR. And I think we can all agree there's there's some very obvious issues within this sport that need addressing, and I don't think that it did anything today by doing that. I, I agree on some levels. Um, the first thing that I'll, I'll agree with you on before we disagree is that I don't think this is going to, like, save the sport or anything. Like, it's not going to... This isn't like, oh my god, this is going to cure all the problems. But I'm not really sure it's designed to do that anyway. I think it's just designed to make things better. Um, and I, I do think it made things better. But as far as the complication part, um, I was sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I was agreeing with all the tweets. They're like, are going to need a calculator for this? But it, Dale Jr. was pretty emphatic about how simple it was. And, and I kind of agree, agree with him. You're going to uh, basically see the same, you know, the same format as far as the, who wins the race and how the races are decided doesn't change. The, the playoff really doesn't change at all. You're just going to have two breaks in every race that are going to be uh, potentially rewarding to your drivers. So that, that that to me creates interest. It's a, it's a time in the race where before, I, you're, if he's running tenth, fine. If he's running fifth, fine. I just want him close to the front. But now there's a reason uh, that he needs to be towards the front all the time, and in particular instances in the race. So we would go to Dover and run 400 miles, and you just kind of grind through that hall, uh, trying, you know, you're running hard as you can, but now there's a meaning to those laps. You know, we're sitting there running all these laps, and why are we running so many laps? I mean, really the only ones that matter are the start and the finish. Well, now everything sort of matters, everything in the middle. So it gives the race some substance that I thought it was missing it's from a driving standpoint. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, I think it's a, it's a real subtle change if once you stand back and look at it, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring some interest from a lot of things we do bring is fan interest only or driver interest only, and I think this kind of does both. Uh, it's an interesting play that it, it kind of does both for the drivers and the fans. Dale Jr. said that basically stop trying to overcomplicate it. You're basically adding two cautions in a race when you know where they are and it's, then you have these points that carry over. I think what, what was confusing me in the press conference is they're like, okay, okay, now we're, we're going to give you uh, points for the top ten, you know what I mean? And, 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 then, and then there's these other points that go to the playoffs. Okay, here's the thing, though, right? Who cares about the top ten points? Because ultimately, the guys that run in the top ten every week, those are the guys that are going are to be already in the chase through a win anyway. Like, they're fine. They don't need those those points aren't going to matter. They're not going to need to points their way in if they're running top 10. The guys that run top 10 win races. That's why they're up there. So I'm not so worried about those. I'm not even going to care about those. What I'm going to care about are one dude wins a segment or a stage, whatever they call it. He gets one point for the chase that he can use. That's fairly simple. You can get a maximum of seven points 
in the race. You can get one for each segment, and you can get five for winning. So if some dude, Jimmy Johnson, say, goes out, sweeps a race, and gets seven points, you're like, wow. Before, a win, a win only got you three bonus points for the chase that you can use. Now you have seven that you can use, and it carries over for the entire chase. So you, you that's your advantage. I mean, like, if you don't squander those with some bad finishes, you you can maintain that advantage. You can pretty much make it to Homestead, in theory, on that. Um, I like that because I hated the how the old chase was so random at times, and... and Dude, we talked about it all the time at dinners and stuff, Jordan. It's like, okay, now they reset it again. It's just a minefield. It's just lottery. That's gone now, or at least that's a lot of it's gone. So do you know what I'm, where I'm coming from? I hear what you're saying, and, and you're right. It's, it's simple for the guys who run up front and win races. At the end of the day, they're going to keep doing what they do, and they're going to be fine. You don't really have to worry about it. And, and the more races you win, the more points you get, and you're actually rewarded now in the chase. I get that. I'm cool with that. I like the fact that the regular season champion, per se, actually has a tangible reward that they can carry over. Those bonus points are invaluable. Guys now are incentivized to race you know, the entire regular season hard. Denny Hamlin today said, you know, hey, I won the Daytona 500, and he opening out. We basically took two months off in the middle of the season. Or not two months off. Off. We two, took two months in the, during the regular season and said, hey, let's work on our chase stuff. We're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. We don't care. That's great, and I understand that. But points still matter in this sport, and there are guys, Austin Dillon last year, Ryan Newman before, where points were everything for these guys when they got in the ch- to get into the chase and when they got into the chase. And all these different ways now to accumulate points, it hurts the head to try to figure this out. Yes, you can win a point. You get a point for winning a segment. Okay, and there's that. And then if you finish in the top ten, I want to make everything as simple as possible. That way, you know, it's the KISS formula. Keep it simple, stupid. And I feel like this just complicates things to a degree that it doesn't need to be. Racing should be a pretty simple concept. Green flag waves, you go after it. Checkered flag waves, we have a winner. We'll figure out the points after that. I I don't need 5, 10, 15 different ways to get points and everything. I want to keep it simple. I think there were some really positive things that came out of this today, but I think at the end of the day, we, the caution periods are fine. I get that, and if it eradicates the the debris, you know, the debris, the mystery debris cautions we've had, that's fine. But I, I think you're you're adding elements to the sport that overcomplicate things and actually are going to end up making these races longer. I agree with the longer races part. Um, now, I was hoping that in conjunction with this there would be shorter races because you're adding at least 20 minutes to a race in theory with these two 10-minute breaks, right? Races are already pretty long. I was thinking maybe they could take some time off, and that's really why I wanted heat races because I was thinking if you shorten the heat races overall but you still um, you know, put it in that three-hour window, which is so important to TV or whatever, maybe that would be a compromise. For whatever reason, I'm, I know it was discussed, but for whatever, whatever reason, they decided not to go with heat races. I mean, the people in that room... Drivers, um, track operators, team executives, NASCAR executives, um, so many people came to this decision, and and I would like to know their thinking at some point why it didn't work, but they decided not to do that. So they broke it up into segments still, but they kept the length. I, I do wish that it would be shorter. However, their argument is, look, if we put in... Um, a, a bunch of action into the race, and it doesn't matter how long it is because we'll keep people more entertained. Um, Jordan, you and I talked about this before the podcast a little bit, but you know that was a good race. Was it a good race poll that I did last year every week? So one of the highest of the year, if not the highest, was the Dover, the first Dover race. That 
first Dover race was significantly longer than the second Dover race, which was one of the worst rates of the year. I think it was like almost an hour longer, something crazy like that. Same 400 miles, but longer, more cautions, whatever. But it had more action. It was so good. It had more action, so people loved it. It wasn't that they got so bored of it. Uh, of you know, The other one was shorter, but it was so boring that they're just like, ah, screw this. You know, this is such a boring event. I don't, I don't care about this race anymore. So I really do think that, that they looked at, NASCAR looked at that and they said, that maybe it's not the lengths of these races. Maybe it's the amount of stuff going on in them. And if you can make the first half of a race, the first third, whatever, more interesting, maybe that's, like I said, it's not going to change. It's not going to do anything for casual fans. But I'm talking about the hardcore fans. This could get them excited in theory. And my point is, and the larger issues of NASCAR are not about the hardcore diehard fan. You look at the issues that plague this sport right now. It is about the casual fan and getting a younger demographic. And I look at the changes today. Okay, well, we've had a lot of changes the last few years, a lot of various forms of chase. We've had the chase expand by numerous, numerous times over the years, different formulas, eliminations, et cetera, et cetera. I look at this and say, if you're going to roll something out this big, go big. Don't, I, I don't want another change down the road. Today should have been something else. If you're going to go big, I want to look at the schedule. I want to look at shortening races. I really basically want to blow everything up and, and go down that avenue. I don't want to have this one big change, and then you know, 12 months from now we're right back here going, you know what, we're also going to do this as well. The big changes today should have been addressing the issues large of that, that are part of this, that are plague the sport than just one little element, and I feel like NASCAR really missed the ball on that. So like what? I mean, like what did you come in uh, hoping to hear that you didn't hear? Well, I wanted to see, I, I mean, ideally, and I know this is going to happen because the way that the schedule is set up right now and, and the track promoters have agreements with NASCAR for, I, I think it's 2020, the five-year deal they signed a couple of years ago, you know, it's not going to happen. I, I want to see the schedule uh, change completely. I think that is the I- biggest issue in the sport and would solve a lot of problems. If you put together a schedule, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. tweeted about this, and he's 100% right, if you put together a schedule that largely is consists of tracks that are enter- that stage entertaining races and take races away from tracks that don't, not every, not every track is going to lose multiple dates, but so there's a lot of tracks that have two dates that don't deserve them. There's some tracks that have no dates and they deserve one. I want to see more road courses. I want to see more short tracks. And I want to see less intermediate tracks where, frankly, the racing is dull, the field is spread out, and we don't see a lot of good racing. You fix the schedule and you put the, these, these drivers in cars that are air, low aerodynamics that allows them to showcase their ability and tracks that produce generally good racing on a you know, consistent basis, I guarantee you things will change and the perception of the sport will change dramatically. Look, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, honestly, I, the, the schedule, yes. If, if this was a sport where the majority of the races were short tracks instead of freaking mile-and-a-half races, right, I mean, it would be a completely different sport. You wouldn't have, we wouldn't be having to talk about all the stuff that's going on. I agree with you. However... I guess that was <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that's a possibility or on the table. You know what I'm saying? So I was thinking of more like what can they do to the formats of the, of the races in the schedule they currently have. I, I agree. In a dream world, I would love to say, dude, let's st- – like can you imagine for a second if they had – when they were doing the cookie-cutter building, if they had built all short tracks instead of all mile-and-a-half tracks, what a different sport this would be. I really do feel like it would we would – not be seeing half the problems that NASCAR has if that was the case. But it's not. So I feel like 
you know, d- doing what you can format-wise. What what format-wise, or would you just not want to see any changes format-wise? No, I w- I'm in favor of shortening the races. You know, and we don't need 400, 500-mile races anymore. We don't need races that run longer than three hours. Obviously, Coca-Cola 600, Southern 500, there are exceptions to that rule, and they should not change because of tradition. Largely, though, mile-and-a-half racetracks that have boring races, we don't need 400 miles there. We don't need 500 miles there. Give me a 250-mile race, a 300-mile race. Give me some heat races. Tighten that action up. That's what you want to see, and you'd have the same excitement today from the driver saying, hey, you know what? We can no longer lag. You know, we got to go out there and we're going to race hard every single lap because guess what? We've only got 250 miles or 300 miles. It's not a 400-mile or 500-mile race anymore. Same effect today, more positivity. I think this would be better long-term. Jordan, we have the media tour coming up next two days. We're recording this Monday night, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. We're going to be talking to drivers about these changes. We're going to be asking every single one their opinion. What do you think? What do you think? I want to do a little guessing game with you. Are we going to... How many drivers will say something negative or even half negative about the changes? Will you be able to count them on one hand, two hands, or zero hands? What do you think? I know one driver for sure is going to probably have a different outlook on this, and that's Kyle Busch, because he made comments to the USA Today, our friend Brand James, your former outlet, and he was, you know, basically said the same thing I did. Too much change in the sport. You know, if we're going to look at things, we need to look at bigger picture. That's one. But I will say, some of the drivers, I, I would have maybe I guess they maybe not have been on board with this because they're a little bit outspoken. They're not afraid to voice their opinion. Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, they were on stage today, and they were very positive about this. They were behind this. I think on one hand, you're going to have the number of drivers that are not in favor of this, just because I think NASCAR, and I will give them credit for this, I have never seen collaboration like this in the sport. Track promoters, sponsors, drivers, NASCAR officials, television partners, everybody came together on a level we have never seen before to come behind this idea. That's great. That really bodes well going forward. So I think the guys who are not really in favor of this, I think it's going to be few and far in between. I agree. I think that... um I, I might even go zero hands. I'm not even sure one driver will really say this isn't a good idea. And and, and not just because they're not supposed to, which they're definitely not supposed to. Let's, let's be honest about that. Um, they get in trouble if they speak out against it. But even, you know, some, sometimes you get guys like Matt Kenseth who will kind of hint at their opinion even though they, you know, they're not, maybe not supposed to. Or they don't say it in a way that's going to get them fined. But I, I just think that, these are actually pretty good changes. And, and the fact that the drivers were involved in a big way, um, as someone told us earlier before this started, it wasn't like somebody just launched a missile out of Daytona and said, boom, here you go, which has happened before and leaves us all scratching our heads like, where the hell did this come from? Like, what are they doing? Who, who, would you, who even came up with this, you know? This doesn't feel like a um, Brian France decided to do this and this is what happened. Thing, which I think has been not a, a not positive for the sport at times. This feels like, like you said, everybody got together, everybody's in the room, the drivers had input, tracks had input, teams, NASCAR, everybody, and they came up with what they thought was the best thing um, for the sport. They tried to hash out as much as they could. You know, um, I'm sure there'll be holes poked in it. As you noted, Bob Pockers has already found a couple possible problems with it. And that's the thing, too, is I look at this, and it, it's so confusing and convoluted. It, I worry about the unintended consequences. And I know crew chiefs in the sport are inc- incredibly smart, and you know they're sitting at home thinking, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. 
what happens when we get to March at Bristol? Are we get to a different track in the middle of the season? And NASCAR realizes, you know what? We didn't think about this. This is this is a loophole that teams are now exploiting. You change it midstream in the middle of the season on how you're awarding points. You can't do that because of the way this is structured with the points and the bonus points and everything else and the championship implications at the end of the year. You can't change this midstream. So whatever this is now is it's going to be for the entirety of this season. So there might be this giant loophole out there. As we said, Bob Pockers has already pointed out one of them that NASCAR said, oh, oh, we didn't think about that. I'm worried about what's to come, and somebody's going to do something that no one thought of because that's what happens in this sport. The all-star race last year is the perfect example of that, and I don't want to see something happen that's going to impact the championship negatively because, you know what, sorry, we came up with this really confusing formula that no one can figure out. Yeah, I mean, look, the championship has already taken some hits in credibility over the last few years. I think this restores it a little bit at least. I feel better about, you know, one thing Steve O'Donnell was talking about afterwards, I said, I asked him about running the models and, you know, how, how it's going to look. Because, um, you know, they, they do a lot of testing. And he basically said, look, um, this is going to be, uh, this is going to eliminate the chance of, of a Newman type situation. Under today's format, it hasn't happened, but it could. Um, let's take Jimmy Johnson again, right? Uh, could have 10 wins, and he's out in the first lap because of an accident. Um, under the old format, too, an Austin Dillon could have pointed his way in and could essentially finish 10th in every race all the way to Miami and finish 10th in Miami and win the championship. And we'd be asked some tough questions. And we looked at, yes, it'll be a little harder for the 16th driver to, to move on, but you should have to win. And we felt like, you know, if that driver won and won in each round and got to Miami as part of the four, that felt a lot better as a story to be able to communicate to the fans and media that this felt more like it should be. And that driver deserved to be there versus kind of how we had set it up today. The reason he says that is because there's going to be so many guys with points. To overcome that, you're going to have to win, right, to, to advance. So nobody is going to be able to get very far if they go into the chase with no wins or, or they point their way into the chase, and then they're not going to be able to point their way all the way to Homestead. It'll be too much to overcome in all likelihood. Um, I think that's good. I mean, I, and, and so the final four guys are likely going to be guys where you go, that guy was pretty good all year. I think even if you look at a William Byron situation, right, he's probably going to be the champion because, yeah, I mean, well, they still would have reset it at Homestead, I guess. They still would have reset. But but he would have qualified, though. And Denny Hamlin, to your point, said, I think now going forward we're going to have the four truest guys in the final four at Homestead, meaning the four guys who were best from race one to 35. They're going to qualify for Homestead because they're going to have earned it. They've gone out there. They've been running up front, leading laps, winning races. And, and there's something to be said for that. But you know what? I, I do like the fact that we have underdogs. And I know Ryan you know, Newman a couple of years ago kind of exploited this a little bit, but good for him. You know what? He found a formula. He took advantage of it. He used the strategy to his benefit. If some other guys suffered bad luck. Good for Ryan to get there. He finished second in Homestead. And you know what? And talk of win a winless champion emerging. You know what? He would have won that race. He would have won the championship. He would have had a win. I'm okay with that. I, I like to see small guys, some small teams, these underdog stories kind of emerge and have a shot at this. And that's great that the big teams and the best teams from you know race one to race 35 are going to be there at the end of the year. But it's okay if we have this little you know Cinderella story too. Any other storylines you think that are going to be important to watch uh, during the media tour? 
honestly, I think most of the unresolved, everything's been resolved. I mean, obviously, you get a little bit of residual from Carl Edwards and, and maybe, you know, again, Matt Kenseth, Kyle Busch are all going to be talking about that and Joe Gibbs Racing, but they've kind of done that to some degree already. Tony Stewart's retired. We've covered that ad nauseum. Um, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s back and healthy. That, that's been covered. I really don't think there's going to be anything else going forward that's going to come out of the woodwork because we have everything kind of solidified. Questions have been answered. Teams are already, you know, got their drivers in place largely except for maybe BK Racing. So really, I, I think everything is kind of in place, and it's really now looking forward and projecting and asking drivers what they think of these changes and what's going to happen going forward. What's uh, what's going on at SB Nation these days? You enjoying your? You know, I, what, what, I left uh, SB Nation, um, and Jordan took my spot. So the last time I left a job, you took my spot, and you're still there. So I, I guess things are going fairly well, um, and you're going to be at Daytona. I mean, you, you like how things are going? I can't complain. My ch- my paycheck's clear every week. My bosses treat me well, and I'm really happy. And the fact they probably kept me there because they don't have to pay me a lot. And, uh, you know, honestly, no one was going to fill your shoes. So I'm just lucky to be there. Oh, God, please. You know, at least, you know what's funny is you have a paycheck now. <laughs> I no longer have a paycheck, although it's of my own doing. So, Although I have to say, um, you know, as we sit here at 9 o'clock on, on a Monday night and everything's quiet now, this is – honestly been like one of the best days of my life honestly I mean you and I were texting this morning before the announcement and you gave me a little feedback on on what's put on my Patreon page and stuff um, and you know I appreciate your support and everything but I was you you were being all positive about it and I was like super nervous because I mean honestly I, I flew home last night from Albuquerque where my wife Sarah is and I was in the in the Uber on the way home, and I was asking the Uber driver all about like how you get started driving Uber because I you know I'm thinking, hey, I'm gonna need some extra income here because this isn't gonna be like a huge success day one. Um, and he gave me like a referral code where he's like, hey, if you start driving, you can get a hundred bucks extra driving. And um, you know, I just it's been kind of scary, but the reaction today on day one, um, I mean, I'm. I'm not all the way there yet, but it's certainly a good start um, to this new venture, trying to fund my own site on Patreon. So thank you, everybody, so much. And, um, you know, you, you Jordan, you're also positive And I just – it's kind of like out-of-body experience, honestly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. This is a big step. I mean, you leave one outlet that's firmly established that, that is a big name in this industry and, frankly, in the sports landscape as a whole, and you go out on your own. But I will say this, and I've said this to you privately, and I will say this publicly. There's, if anybody's going to do this, it's going to be you. You're too talented. You're too smart. And, and you have too many good ideas not to make this work. And I, and I think, I mean, you are the NASCAR social media guru in, in a lot of ways. And you look at things, and I, from being my former boss, I know that you have a big picture view of things where stories are looking you know, going forward. And I think that if anybody can do this, it's going to be you. And I think you're going to be very, very successful. I'm, this is really embarrassing. This, this wasn't supposed to. I, I'm just going to edit that part out of the podcast if I can figure out how to edit. I, I guess I should say something nice about Jordan, too, which is that, um, you know, you should definitely follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Bianchi, B-I-A-N-C-H-I. Um, and, and the thing about Jordan is, um, I don't think people realize how, how hard of a worker he is. Um, you know, he's, he's one of these first in the media center, last to leave type people competing with Bob Pockris at the races he's at. And he lives in Minnesota, so he doesn't get to come to all the races, but, um, totally respect Jordan for how hard he's worked. He definitely belongs in the sport. And he's also perhaps the most dogged 
uh, aggressive reporter on the beat. Like he will chase people down and ask tough questions. And it gets you, you kind of get yourself in trouble a little bit sometimes, don't you? I have been told I need to curtail it back by you maybe once or twice, and that I have learned as I have become more known in the industry to pick and choose my spots. And uh, I've done a few pieces lately that kind of in, involves a little bit in-depth reporting, and I did some of the interviews, and afterwards I was like, oh, man, I should not have asked that question. But you know what? It, sometimes it's better to go down swing and then uh, take a call third strike. So uh, I don't know if you can tell us, but is there anybody uh, right now who you are on their um, crap list like they they don't like? Like if, if there's going to be some drivers coming up this weekend, are, are they going to be like, oh, God, it's this guy? I don't think I'm to the level where a lot of drivers know me by name. They kind of know me by face. I, I will say, you know, I, I tend to ask, as you said, I tend to ask pointed questions sometimes. And there are some drivers, um, maybe some recently retired drivers, that don't always like to be asked those tough questions. And they tend to make fun of me when I ask them. Like I said, I'll be here next year. And I'm sure one of my four guys will do something that's going to make me have to come to the media center and answer dumb questions. And <laughs> Make fun of somebody in a salmon shirt that must have felt bad and went to go change. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, by your laughter, you thought he should change too. <laughs> so, you and Tony made up totally, though, by the end of the year. I don't know if he made it. I don't think we made up. I think I just gave him another way to make fun of me. So that, that's fine. And we all that's a that's a badge of honor, though. Tony was making fun of you, and he was ripping on you. Yeah, but that's a badge of honor once he starts ripping on you in some ways. I'll take that. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that Carl and I kind of bonded at Homestead over our fashion sense. And, unfortunately, he's no longer around. But, no, I mean, I've learned that, you know, you, you do have to pick and choose your spots a little bit. But I, I think there are some within the industry that, you know, work for teams and maybe the sanctioning body as well that kind of wishes I would do things a little bit differently. But again, I, I you know, you got to make a name for yourself sometimes. You got to go hard. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for being the first ever guest on this Untitled podcast. Um, I don't know when you guys will hear this because um, I don't know how to edit a podcast. When I was doing it at USA Today, I would send it in and my um, boss, Heather Tucker, and or, or um, our assistant motorsports person, Ellen Horo, would edit them. So I would just record them, like, from the media center, just send them in, and they magically appeared on, like, iTunes with music and all this stuff. So I don't know how to do that. I took this job or this new venture and, and said I was going to start a podcast, but I don't actually know how to make one. So hopefully you guys will hear this at some point since we just spent half an hour talking about it. But anyway, <laughs> thanks, Jordan, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, right? Looking forward to it. All right, everybody, have a good one.